the great Canadian talk show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast, Season 2, Episode 20. Uh, here in our series, and uh, this one's going to be a little bit different. Uh, the front end here, I will be going over the latest uh, and actually provide an overview of the Moving on Marion uh, and, and what I've discovered about how City Hall has allowed this process to be considered closed, even though uh, it is far from over. <clears throat> As well, Crime Court's public safety update in the middle of the, the uh, of this episode uh, is going to be a segment where I discuss a, a friend of mine, a friend of, um, he's always part of my life since the University of Winnipeg days, uh, and um, and always in every way supported our work on Kick FM and on Shaw TV and in this podcast. Uh, and uh, he passed away in a traffic accident last week in Rome, Manitoba. And so I'm going to be just talking about his impact um, on people's lives in this community. And so it's going to be a little more personal, a little more different in the uh, second segment. Um, I want to, of course, make sure to uh, thank our sponsor, Midpoint Auto. Uh, I don't want to belabor the point because of the nature of how things are this week, but if you think you're looking for a vehicle, give them a call. They'll find something for you. They've got lots of inventory, lots of things with motors and engines, lots of things to be able to tinker around town in, hopefully at the preservation of your front end, admittedly. Midpoint Auto supports our work in citizen journalism and uh, bring them your business will help keep us in business. Hey, that worked out pretty good, didn't it? I guess it did. Moving on Marion highlights. This is now, is this like the sixth week? Yeah, because last week was part five. 99 parking spots and going to be going and nobody said anything to anyone apparently ever really and certainly not at the so-called open house i'll tell you about the the ongoing canvas that we did in, in the st boniface neighborhood affected by this plan for bike lanes and other changes in the marion goulet couplet as they put it let me give you an overview what is moving on marion and why should i care and you can send this to people you know in winnipeg other neighborhoods because they'll do the same Anywhere, if they're going to do it to the people of St. Boniface, they'll try this kind of this kind of stuff anywhere they can. What is moving on Marion and why should I care? The city of Winnipeg, the Norwood Grove biz. Uh, and these contracted consultants, they tendered a vision about bike paths and concrete bump outs on Marion and Goulet. Their plans to cut Marion and Goulet down to two lanes each. And then to restrict the ability to park on Goulet, instead of it going straight through like one lane unimpeded, they're going to put in those bump out impediments. So buses during rush hour will be going in and out and in and out and in and out. That's brilliant. 
They want to put in a bike lane that nobody can really understand on Traverse that they didn't tell the Scotiabank about. And in total, the neighborhood would lose 99 parking spaces, basically between Tache and the more or less Marion Hotel. Okay? 99. There was three public consultations in the past two years. They were sparsely attended and barely advertised. And so, like, so few of the residents and business, business owners or the managers that I've talked with that were even aware that there were meetings, let alone these kinds of plans. I've talked with 30 actual human beings with a stake in this neighborhood, adults, coherent, voting age. I've spoken with people at, whether they own, manage, uh, certainly in a position to speak, give me some observations, 30 businesses in the same stretch between Tache, Down Marion, and Goulet too. I would start going to the business last week. Exactly five had heard of moving on Marion. And at the public meetings, what do we find out? The consultants hired by the city of Winnipeg couldn't answer attendees' questions about specifics and what they what did they talk about? These generalities about about oh well, for what they go, oh, we do it everywhere else in the city. Yeah, big deal. That's a selling point. This is you know very very. Um, colored by green, so to speak, eco, you know, eco endeavors. The second phase engagement was in April, 2022. There, that was, I think, an open house, the third phase engagement. There was engagement uh, with that meeting at the Notre Dame Rec Center that clearly had a limited audience because here at our office, uh, uh, which is closer to the hospital, I don't remember seeing any notice of it. So they, they had to get a big enough space to roll out some, some uh, drawings or something. And that was on February 28th. And I think there was one on, at Archwood on, on March of Again, they don't want, they don't want people to know about this and they don't talk in plain language. And I went to the open house on March 16th, a Thursday night. So I asked who supports this plan. The first thing I asked was how many parking spots are being lost? They couldn't tell me who's behind, who wants this? Who's, who, who supports this? The consultants told me it was the Norwood Grove biz. So the, the now executive director, more executive director, came in, a, in, I think, took over in January. I contacted her about this claim, and she was unaware that they were being portrayed in this manner by the consultants to sell this program, to sell this plan. And she's moved now to schedule a meeting with her members to notify them what was going on. The biz didn't notify the members about the open house, and I've talked with 30 businesses. Two of them knew something about bike lanes. Two of them, I think, had heard from, from the postcard, one knew and the other one knew as well about the open house. None of these businesses, and I'll tell you, including who? Dean's Diner. I went in to see him. No idea that they were planning a bike lane across from his business. Does that sound fair to you? Now, with regards to the biz, there was a problem there. And the new executive director is trying to pull things together and create better communication and, and, uh, wanted me to make sure her members knew that that was the case. And I, I have done so and I continue to do so. She's trying to pull things in the right direction, but the biz members have been put behind the eight ball by something that should never have happened ever. So here's what we know. Matt Allard was the city council for St. Boniface when these studies were commissioned. He's on the board of the biz 
because that's the way they're structured through City Hall, okay? He was chair of public works for the city of Winnipeg till November 2022. His former assistant, now a school trustee, Ryan Palmquist, he echoed the consultant's claim on Twitter uh, uh, in, uh, in response to our coverage. He echoed the consultant's claim that the biz... So had supported this, saying the then, meaning the previous executive director, was, quote, one of the key champions of the vision. Now, Ryan also collects a paycheck from a grant-supported gig at Save Our Sane. Must be nice. Now, did he hear this from firsthand from Matt the Biz liked it? Did he hear it from the previous executive director about it? Was he at the Norwood Grove business meetings or on behalf of Matt Allard? Like, what, what does he know and how much does he know? Because I've talked with 30 businesses, none of whom feel they were consulted about what was going to happen outside their front doors when they're providing employment in the private sector. So the biz was in disarray. Palmquist and the consultants, they say that the then executive director championed the, the, the plan and yet there's open houses and members weren't informed or invited. So the actions of the previous executive director, because I asked for the board minutes and the question was sidestepped. I've asked for some kind of evidence that this wasn't done in a completely freelance ad hoc manner. That hasn't really been responded to, but it's apparent that whatever was going on before was not communicated to the biz members. And they are the lifeblood of that community. We have a hospital that's a major employer, and we're lucky enough to have shops on Goulet and on Marion that are half-functional after COVID. So public meetings and consultations happen without the participation of the businesses the Norwood Grove business meant to serve. Does that sound like something a professionally a professionally uh, contracted consulting uh, uh, gig? Does that sound like how it should be structured? That the businesses are somehow, like, left out? And, you know, another fun fact, and more to come, the previous executive director of the biz, Jennifer Matheson, was simultaneously the executive director for, like, six years or so, from after 2015, of the St. James biz. So the previous plan that was available going back to, I think, 2018 on the biz website, it shows, like, similar suggestions, but it plainly said... This isn't possible if Marion remains a truck route. Is there a plan to change that? Because there was nothing said at that open house. And if there isn't a plan to change Marion, why are the, they continuing to hire consultants and taxpayer dollars to plan for something that the biz said couldn't happen as long as a truck route? Where has this been overruled or, or mitigated? Where? And you're going to restrict and narrow traffic further. When it's basically the number one highway through Winnipeg. Hospital access will be hindered. It is the major emergency room on the east side of Winnipeg. It is the place for heart-related issues. Goulet is the major route to the hospital's emergency entrance. Two lanes will, uh, will, will remain on Goulet with one being removed. As far as I've been able to establish, as far as I can tell, the hospital, St. Boniface Hospital and or the WHA were not consulted or notified of any plans that would hinder emergency vehicles or general access.
to Winnipeg's second largest hospital. I made an inquiry of the union. I haven't heard back yet from the, uh, from the firefighters union either with regards to ambulance service. The staff of the hospital, patients, families park in this area. There's healthcare implications along Goulet with seniors' high rises and healthcare workers' access to the buildings in the handy transit. There are plans to make a north-south bike lane cutting across Marion and Goulet. And then there's also going to be some sort of loss of parking and bike lanes on either Travis or Kenny, depending on which lobby group you consult. Now, I've canvassed the businesses unlike any other reporter in Winnipeg. I have gone to the source. I've handed out flyers and spoken with residents directly in this affected area. I've interviewed attendees of previous public sessions. They spoke of experiences of being stonewalled, told, well, you know, if you don't like it, you can move, relocate, generally dismissed. 90% of the people I've talked to, I'm up to 60, just casually. Is this scientific or not? I'd expect more than five out of 55 to have heard of moving on Marion when it's going to change everything about the neighborhood they live in, they work in, their family comes to, their deliveries come to, their doctors come to to practice medicine at 400 Tache or at the hospital or at clinics nearby. The city of Winnipeg has paid money to numerous consulting and planning firms for these plans and public sessions. And here we are where they label these public consultations closed. And I've proven that this shut out the most important voices to be heard from. The businesses in the area and the residents of the area here north of the hospital. How is that possible? You know, and when I talk about businesses and what is the lifeblood of this community, I, I, I want to just define it just for a minute. There's dentists, there's counseling offices, the, the Indian curry restaurant, the Vietnamese restaurant, a laundromat. Laundromat had no idea. Some of these businesses are in little strip malls and nobody's talked with them about their, their traffic. Their customers are now going to have to cut across a bike lane to go onto the lot and come off the lot. And when they start monkeying around with parking on the street and their space are being lost, anyone who has an existing parking lot, like let's say down where the Royal Bank is on the, uh, you know, as you go west from No Frills, well, now you're going to have people trying to park there to scoot off to, you know, grab something nearby because there's no damn parking anywhere because the city's going to make it worse. The water store. There's medical supply spaces. Uh, hair, another hair salon across from the Safeway. None of the 99 lost parking spaces. None of them knew about it. Not one person knew there was a proposal. The two of them knew there was going to be some parking lost. None know it's 99. And as I said, that includes Dean's Diner. Now, after I handed out the posters, uh, not posters, the flyers, rather, uh, I got an email as a result of the flyer, and I talked with two more residents. That brings it up to 60 people in total that I've talked to between people and people at businesses. Uh, in some businesses, there's three or four people involved in the discussions. And I, it's like one point of contact though. Okay. So actually I've talked with more than 60 people. Here's what one fellow wrote me. My brother and I were busy for the meeting at Nord Community Center and thought all the planning was done. It was, and that was it anyways. I had no idea anyone would mount a protest. This horrible redo of our street would like to participate. My family has owned our building here since 1979. Now, more reaction. Think about the access 
St. Boniface uh, building where there used to be the parking lot across from the supermarket, across from No Frills. Social services organization is in there. Child speech therapy, children's disability services, community living disability services, community mental health, EIA is in there, home care, my health team, public health. A home care worker got a hold of me and said the bike lanes will cause significant delays as we are forced to park streets away from our hundreds of clients living in those blocks. We carry very sensitive information about our clients. It's scary to think of our bags, for of our bags being mugged by the ever-increasing drug epidemic. And there was certainly a problem with healthcare workers uh, being harassed in St. Boniface uh, a couple of years ago, walking to and from their cars. That was absolutely the case. Do you also know that home care operates out of the access center? The parking at the center is very limited, forcing workers to try to get around limited parking and all our cumbersome supplies to our vehicles. Do you know the other services operating out of there treating the elderly, the disabled, those who don't have the privilege to ride a bike? What is the effect on disability service? What, what is the thinking here exactly? Kelly Ryback, who has been known to frequent City Hall and make presentations on important matters of public interest, it'll be a shit show. Too many councillors have bought into an ideology that does not produce the results. Unfortunately, the neighbors, these, including Osborne that we talked about, the plans for bike lanes on river, the neighbors will be disrupted and traffic congestion will increase, will increase along with an increased risk of accidents. Council approved the mode shift target of 50% by 2030. That single occupant passenger vehicle use will be down to 50%. Questions to ask. What was single occupant passenger use percentage prior to setting the target? What is the percentage today? With that trend, will the target be met? Trying to force people out of their cars? And to do so, you're going to make it impossible for the disabled and senior citizens to get proper care in a neighborhood near a hospital that will also delay ambulances? What kind of ghouls are making this plan for bike lanes exactly? What kind of irresponsible uh, uh, thought process has been undertaken here? W what else besides the businesses and the residents have been neglected? The impact on the healthcare system? Starting to look like it. In 2020, they said they claimed from 2020 to 2021 the bike use had doubled. Ryback making the point they went from one bike per hour per lane to two in more ideal conditions where there was no snow. And any time he points out, when Councillor Luke's mentioned at the convention center uh, the, about snow clearing, the snow clearing meeting in February, and she mentioned freeways <clears throat> and Keniston and Peguis and moving freight and, and, and underpinning our economy, they booed. The bike lobby doesn't care. And they did a survey. There was a survey. I don't know if it was done by the bike lobby or by the city. In 2018 or 2019, where traffic disrupt, disruption, traffic disruption was listed as a tactic to discourage folks from driving and hope they'll still travel but use transit. Ah! Now, who said this about the Marion Street freeway process, that consulting debacle that we managed to intercept seven years ago? This is an indication of how a consultation process can be skewed by who's running the show and who's really accountable. The consultants are not accountable to citizens. Who said that seven years ago? about how consulting processes aren't accountable to the citizens. Why, that was Councillor Jason Schreier. And what did he say? Not only will I be discussing it with Councillor Allard, he was going to talk with Matt Allard about this stuff. And then when they wanted to move amendments to the bike plan, this is deep in the, in the weeds, I realize. I'll get into this next, uh, in a following week. 
They wanted to block amendments. And even Councillor Brawadi has made comments about this. People trying to hijack, hijack a, a process. When you talk about these surveys that are done, how many are residents on the targeted streets? How come no one asks that question? How come nobody actually looks at this data and sees how much of it comes from the actual residents of the streets that are going to be affected? Now, why is this important? Lo and behold, on Tuesday, the city's going to launch public consultations about Portage and Maine. Like, we're going to be able to trust that? And what did Jepperwadi say? There's no details on costs, on information, on timeframes, and nothing in terms of what type of improvements they're proposing in the underground area. More smoke and mirrors, but consultants get paid a lot of money. The city goes along with this. I'm here to stand on behalf of the communities and fight against it. I'm here to be a voice. I'm here to make sure people don't get screwed over by City Hall or, for that matter, by the legislature. When they do something good, I'll say so. When they do something like this, no one else in the mainstream media is certainly going to say a word. Why haven't they? St. Boniface is literally the way of life, and St. Boniface is literally being threatened by this unfunded, supposedly, plan. And supposedly, their shovel's going on the ground to something or other on Goulet sometime soon. I'm going to continue to dig into this. But once again, I make the point. No Trudeau here. If you think that it's important to have a voice, if it's important to have somebody investigating what's going on with this and other city programs, other events going on in our community, I know there's trouble in the uh, plenty of trouble now in the North End of West Kildonan. I've been asked to look into that. And it's through community funding that I'm able to go out into the community and tell the stories that matter and hold government officials and consultants to account, as I will continue to do, with regards to what's going on in St. Boniface and the Marion and Goulet bike lanes. More yet to come. The Great Canadian Talk Show podcast is brought to you by Midpoint Auto. Vehicle sales at wholesale pricing. 1.99% financing on new cars. 6.99% financing on great used vehicles. Cars, trucks, vans, SUVs. That's not all. Off-road vehicles, campers, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, even boats. If you're in the market for something with an engine, then that's the place you want to go. MidpointAutomotive.ca. The phone number, 833-997-9930. Again, that's 833-997-9930. Midpoint Auto, bad credit approved, good credit rewarded. If you're a listener of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, let them know by giving them the promo code. T-A-L-K, the word talk. That's the promo code, and you're sure to get a great deal from Midpoint Automotive. Back with a bit of a change of direction. In consideration of what I want to say about my friend Kaz Bednarchuk, who died in a car accident last week, I'm going to release that as a separate episode, a special episode of the program. So I'm not going to go into that right now, but uh, just for a more general description, Kaz was a, a photographer, a graphic artist, a great visualist, uh, a very witty guy um, who I knew uh, from the University of Winnipeg, my brief foray into the U of W. Uh, and I'm going to go into greater detail, but he was loved by many communities. Uh, he, he, especially in the last 20 years, uh, became part of the racing, auto racing community. Uh, uh, in Manitoba, uh, the Speedway crowd, and love taking pictures of not just the racing, but of people in the winter circles, stuff like that. And it took, you know, just uh, not just 
pictures, uh, like I say, like stickers and graphics. He's a brilliant uh, guy. Um, definitely, you know, quirky. Uh, he's a, he was a character, uh, kind of a North End character, but but very beloved and 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 was especially well known when you hear our theme music on this program um, uh, from the band Load, Carrie Loose Forsyth, and Loose was. Very close with Kaz, and he was a uh, uh, like myself. Very fortunate to be able to to spend time around her magic parties, and um, so I we have a lot of mutual friends who we aren't necessarily friends because uh, we all hung out together, but at different points, you get the idea. Um, and so I, I want to pay tribute to him, to my friend, and this in this terrible tragedy, and uh, um. And of course, condolences to to his to his loved ones. Uh, but that's going to be a whole separate topic and a whole separate episode. Instead of bogging this down with twenty minutes of me being very emotional, so I uh, just to, to let you folks know that's what it's about. I also want to make note while I have a moment. Um, there was another death uh, of a longtime dear friend, Mike Phillips, who. Uh, wrestled on AWA TV in the dying days of the AWA uh, as a um, television enhancement and then went to and was uh, to Vancouver and Al Tomko gave him a bit of a break with a his very unique big bald fat guy look that he was a knockoff of of King Kong Bundy but uh, had his own style and was very fast in the ring and very mean and so Mike Phillips who wrestled as JR Bundy and then back in Winnipeg on Shaw TV for many years uh, uh, as Sergeant Tom Steele and he did a lot of characters. He, he goes back with anytime you hear me talk about wrestlers on this program, um, not, you know, the ones we grew up watching, but the guys that I <clears throat> am closest with in the business, my former tag team partners and, and, uh, na- you know, those kinds of names are well known in, in, especially in Winnipeg circles. They, they went on the road with Mike in, in the earliest days of their careers and his, his sudden death from a heart attack, uh, last week has deeply saddened a lot of people in the wrestling community, in the general community. He was also known around the hotel industry, around the uh, 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 food industry. He's a magnificent chef, Mike was, and uh, terrible loss for his daughter and his son as, as uh, their mother passed away, uh, I think it was like four or five years ago. Uh, and so this week's been pretty tough, and uh, I'll have more to say about Kaz in a separate podcast and more to say about Mike Phillips. Uh, we don't have any funeral information uh, yet, but... Um, I'll have more to say about that. It's just been a, a tough, tough period of time here for me a little bit. And I appreciate the kind words that I've heard from so many of you out in what is our community here at the Great Canadian Talk Show. This has been maintained for so many years. Uh, and uh, I I appreciate your support in all ways. You know, it's, um, we're all getting older, but neither none of these recent deaths were particularly that I've talked about on this program in the last six months. There's been like five or six people have known me over 30 and 40 years that have all passed away. And I don't know that more than one of them was really expected to any degree. Uh, And so as I cope with that, I appreciate your kind words and I appreciate your support moving forward. Uh, Episode 20 will return with a crime courts, public safety update right after this. The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive in the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online thehivehaircompany.com.
Welcome back to the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. Uh, and a reminder to all of you, wrestling season, outdoor wrestling season, <laughs> is upon us. At least that's uh, the way we describe it over in the world of CWE, Canadian Wrestling's Elite, uh, where I am very fortunate to be able to host shows, although I did not end up getting to Thunder Bay through a, a series of circumstances that involved a mishap with the ring truck, the trailer and the truck tripping over, a new truck being secured, a new ring being secured. Uh, and in the end, because the show was postponed for a day, we turned around our car load in Kenora because we were only booked for the one day, transferred to the, the new champ, Mantelo, uh, over to the ring truck, which went back the other direction, got to Thunder Bay, sold out crowd, title changing hands, Mantelo taking the title of the hated American supporting hotshot Danny Duggan. Uh, a good time was had by all and continues to be had by all as CWE continues the tour with the substitute ring, the substitute ring truck, uh, and a couple of substitute wrestlers. Although uh, nobody seriously hurt in that uh, uh, situation out on the Trans-Canada Highway around, I think it was around 6 in the morning on Friday. Uh, the point is, wrestlers will go that extra mile. They will overcome all obstacles to be able to bring those shows to you. And if you think that uh, modern style of old school wrestling would be suitable for your audience, your group, your employees, your employers... Uh, whether it's for fundraising purposes or just have a good time, then get a hold of me, MartyGoldLive at gmail.com. I'll get things, uh, the wheels in motion with the office. We'll see if we can bring some good, old-fashioned, hard-hitting, Canadian-style CWE wrestling to uh, your facility, your backyard, uh, your reception hall. Sometimes it's in a church, even. And sometimes in Rookies. We'll be at uh, Rookie Sports Bar in Transcona on Friday for Cruel Coronation as James Roth, uh, dastardly though he may be, he is in fact going to be crowned the King of Transcona. I'm sure all sorts of fun, frivolity, mayhem, and shenanigans will ensue. Bell time, 8 o'clock. Join us at Rookies uh, in Transcona. And uh, I look forward to seeing you there. I think it was our biggest, I think it was actually the biggest show we've done there in terms of uh, uh, economic activity. The bar was pretty happy last time. Come out, join the fun. Time now for the Crime Court's public safety update uh, for this edition. And we're going to touch on a few different matters. Um, in particular, uh, and I haven't had a chance because it's been such a busy week, unfortunately, to follow up on the seizure of a number of individuals around War Road, Minnesota, by U.S. Customs and Border Protection, uh, finding migrants who had made their way from Canada, southwest of Sprague, and they were in a flooded bog, freezing in frigid water. Um, there was reports of one individual being missing, but that didn't seem to be true. There was nine men caught, seven coming across the border from southeast Manitoba were Mexican citizens. Why are Mexicans coming to Canada to try to sneak into America? <clears throat> I haven't found out any more about that story. I'm going to continue to keep an eye on it. Whether this is a case of uh, voluntary self-smuggling, does that make sense? Or human smuggling, I want to uh, definitely look into that. Um, typical activity around the city uh, in terms of our emergency uh, response services. Uh, Fire in the 500 block of Mountain. Emergency crews located a dead adult. 
And so an autopsy, as of this recording, not yet uh, available to determine, to help us determine if the, if the fire was, uh, was set to cover up a previous crime, or if the, uh, if the individual uh, passed as a result of an accidental fire. Um, last weekend, pretty much as we were recording the program last Sunday night, uh, a the cops ran a plate on a car that was driving by, and the plate didn't uh, quite match, so they pulled it over in the area of Harriet and Bannatyne. That would be in uh, what's referred to as the Centennial District, uh, which had a bit more action by the time the week was uh, uh, was done, from what I understand. Um, this was a stolen vehicle. The driver did not put up a fuss. The gun was full of all sorts of fun and games, methamphetamine, crack, prescription pills, a loaded handgun, packaging materials, a search warrant in the 300 block of Kennedy. So this person was a few blocks away from their home. And what did they find in the house? Kilogram of meth with a value of 11000 154 grams of fentanyl, about $62,000. 30 grams of cocaine, nowadays valued at twenty at $2,000. Uh, some Canadian currency, pack, uh, packaging materials, scales, the usual things you'd expect to find, a luxury watch, and a loaded 9mm handgun. A fellow named Christopher with a K, David Falk, 46-year-old, was taken into custody and thereafter remained. Last Monday, there was an incident in the Kildonan Place Mall, because what else do you expect 17-year-old and 16-year-old boys to do but to start a beef when they don't know each other, start a beef over apparently nothing, one pulls out bear spray and the other guy pulls out a gun. 16-year-old had upper body injuries after being shot. Um, now, it says in the 1500 block of Regent, and I, I'm not positive if this happened on the parking lot or in the, uh, like, near the bus, the bus loop there. I'm not quite positive where that occurred. Uh, one of the kids, I think the one with the gun, ran into the mall and was apprehended by um, the mall cops uh, who uh, held him. It was an, and on top of everything else, an imitation gun. Now, one thing you don't hear the media ask whatsoever in regards to this story, or frankly, any story involving minors in the city of Winnipeg, because the media are failing to do their job, so I will. Who are responsible, who are the responsible adults for this 16-year-old with the bear spray and 17-year-old with the imitation gun? Parents? Guardians? Social workers? Who's responsible for what these kids are doing? at 4.20 p.m. on a Monday afternoon just to get a handle on what's going on and why. Nobody ever wants to ask those questions. I have no problem asking them here on the Great Canadian Talk Show. Um, I can't, I, I forgot to actually, I have to admit, I forgot to double check because I lost track of how many homicides we have officially had in Winnipeg. And once again, a situation where the homicide uh, uh, list the roll call was added to on a delayed, on a you know de delayed action version. Uh, a fellow was assaulted on April 11th, a 25-year-old on the east side of Maine at Stella. So, um, over in the uh, essentially north end side of the Main Street Strip, and it was an, an evening incident around 9 p.m. This guy went home and didn't seek any help. And the police were notified three days later, presumably by somebody that he called for help. According to the 
news reports, a fellow named Leo Charles Martin Shea, Martin Shea being a hyphenated last name, suffered life-altering injuries and died uh, after the po- police arrived, uh, got him transported to hospital. He was unstable, did not recover, and died on Wednesday. And so that was an example of one of these delayed reaction uh, homicides uh, that is now added to the uh, city's uh, ongoing list uh, of uh, uh, of murder occurring in our in our city. There was also, and, and I got mixed up with this one, and I think this was this past Thursday, where there was another deceased person inside a home that caught fire in the five six hundred block of Flora, around uh, twelve forty five a.m. So late Wednesday night there was a fire. So it looks like. One person assaulted, died three days later. Two other cases, I think, I'm working, I see here, of, I think that 500 Block Mountain and this this, uh, other one uh, were both this past week. Uh, Maybe I got those sequels wrong, but lately at least, uh, two people dying under mysterious circumstances, their bodies being found in a fire, right? How does that sound, I guess? Uh, Way to describe it. Here's an average citizen describing on Facebook what's going on in their life. Last night, my car was stolen. Went to get some food at 1 a.m. This was in Elmwood. Uh, Went in two, three minutes later. The car was gone. It was a uh, purple Honda, 2008 Honda. uh, Plate number JBN971. I don't know if it's been recovered yet. Two laptops, an iPhone 14, four microphones, mixing board, tons of cables. This guy's, all his music stuff, stolen. The car stolen. In a matter of about three minutes, going in to get a burger late at night in Elmwood. Coincidentally, police relaunching the Neighborhood Watch program after receiving $46,000 from the province, the Criminal Property Forfeiture Fund, not something I'm a big fan of. Uh, and uh, and uh, I don't think anybody who is uh, has common sense should be accepting the way that fund is accrued. Nonetheless, on occasion, certainly some of the monies may have some justification to be put back into the public purse in this case, being directed towards relaunching the Neighborhood Watch program. Police are going to be meeting with the current block captains, captains, current block captains, try saying that three times, uh, to, uh, I guess, see what they, what kind of uh, other equipment or tools the individual Neighborhood Watches might need to make their neighborhoods uh, a little safer. Uh, item last... Uh, about a year ago, April 11th of 2022, an off-duty officer was on, on or around Young Street and saw someone trying to steal a catalytic converter. The officer gave chase, and whereas uh, uh, sometimes you question what kind of shape cops are in, this guy's in some kind of good shape because he chased this clown all the way past the Balmoral uh, to the other, like on the other side of Balmoral and Notre Dame and got into a fight of some nature with the uh, perp uh, that was that ended in the area around the Balmoral. I think it was actually on the other side of the street. Uh, so this guy, he hot-footed it, and that cop chased after him. Uh, and uh, then an on-duty patrol car showed up, and the uh, uh, perp was taken into custody. He's taken to the hospital and had a fractured left orbital bone. And on Friday, the... Uh, IIU determined that uh, charges uh, should be laid for a, uh, allegations of a criminal offense, and so three constables are to appear in court on May 15th uh, for ACBH, assault caused bodily harm charges. And uh, we'll see what happens with the disposition of those, of those charges, the circumstances under which 
and, and this is again a situation I'm not saying anything did or didn't happen, but you can see that certainly in the course of uh, a cop giving chase and other cops arriving and doing so without knowing if this fellow was armed with a screwdriver or or something else. Uh, a lot of split-second decisions are made, and this is, again, right in the inner city. That stolen car that I referenced earlier was at Brandon and Bannatyne and Harriet. So that's, again, right around the corner from this incident that happened a year ago, uh, and these constables uh, uh, all making split-second decisions uh, in many cases uh, about uh, how to handle things, and there's uh, certainly a great deal of um, frustration all the way around. Uh, doesn't excuse any activity that falls outside the bounds of proper law enforcement or the law, of course. Uh, but uh, it's easy to judge these situations from the outside. We'll see what a judge or a courtroom decides with regards to the disposition of the charges against these three constables uh, and this case involving a catalytic converter thief a year ago. Uh, and so that concludes the Crime Court's public safety update. Again, your support is uh, is definitely appreciated and, and, and necessary as we move forward. Uh, and, you, you know, this, anybody, when I talk uh, about what's going on in this city, whether it's a crime scene, whether it uh, involves this moving on Marion fiasco, uh, there's, I know there's things brewing, as I mentioned, in other, other neighborhoods of the city where people are asking me to take a look. That is a job that only the Great Canadian Talk Show is willing to take on. It's a job, really, that only we're qualified for because the, the, you're full of newsrooms with no institutional memory and an inclination to cover, uh, you know, press releases and ribbon cuttings, as opposed to doing the kind of work that we've done, hitting the streets in St. Boniface in this case. And your support is integral. Uh, I want to thank uh, David and David, two of the donors uh, more recently from this past week. There's actually three donations and, and they were all, all significant and all appreciated. And your donation, no matter what the, si the size or you're uh, bringing in an ad run, uh, wanting to sponsor a live event or wanting to sponsor the Crime Court's Public Safety Update, for instance, it all goes towards the cause of defending the city of Winnipeg, the citizens of the city of Winnipeg, from government abuses, from systemic abuses, from abusive process, from uh, being told, patted on the head and told, oh, this is going to be good for you. And it turns out it's actually very bad for the people that are most directly affected. Marty Gold, the Great Canadian Talk Show, continues to be here for you. Your support is not just integral, it is essential to continuing this mission. And so I'm asking you all as we get, we're on the verge of having a new website ready with many features that are going to be able to entrench us firmly where we belong in the midst of the Winnipeg media market. And that's something that's going to provide a voice for you. If you're listening to us right now, that's our goal. Provide a voice for you because you're not being well represented by the corporate media. And I include CBC in that, obviously. And whether it's CJOB or the print outlets or the TV outlets, they are not doing the job. I'm willing to take on that job, but in the absence of Trudeau, I need help from your dough, from your generosity, from your consideration, from you showing that you care about your community and want to make sure that there is, in fact, a watchdog, a watchdog on City Hall, a watchdog on the province, a watchdog even on the feds, a watchdog on the special interest groups to continue to marginalize the people that live, work, provide jobs, are employed in our communities, that receive services in our communities in favor of their grander plans. And we see that they are not above, as a matter of fact, gerrymandering the process, fixing and rigging public consultations. This is something that is part and parcel of what they're doing. Nobody stands opposed. There is no Peter Warren anymore. So I guess... We are going to have to take an even bigger step into the breach. That's going to require your support. 
whether it's $1,000, $500, $100, more or less, it all goes towards making sure I can stay on the job. Now, I suppose there's other possibilities in terms of the consulting work and other things I do, but I'm focusing in terms of a, this kind of an appeal. Uh, I want to spend as much time as I can on the reporting end of things. And this is just a minefield, guys. It's a, it's unbelievable how much garbage I have to wade through to be able to find the key essential points. But look what happens when you ask questions. I asked one question. How many parking spaces are being taken away? And look what we found out in St. Boniface. 99, and it was being kept a secret from everybody pretty much but the bike lobby. Your support makes sure that there's somebody out there that keeps people like city councillors and their current and former assistants honest. Because clearly honesty is a quality they are lacking when it comes to these kinds of pie-in-the-sky, uh, 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 build-back-better kind of this mentality about what they want to do to in indisputably alter the character of the French Quarter. And the people here, I am supporting them. They are supporting me. I'm asking for your support as we continue to branch out to a, a broader cause of uh, going back into what made us famous, so to speak, taking on City Hall in particular, taking on the province, sticking up for those who don't have a voice, asking smart questions, demanding answers, and affecting positive change on the political process on public discourse in Winnipeg. I Once again, thank you for the support you've uh, rendered. I thank you for sharing these podcasts, sharing the YouTube videos, continuing to demonstrate to Winnipegers you're not alone. They are not alone. There is somebody willing to stand for them. And remember, as always, our primary belief, our mission, is based on the fact that you have the power. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at tgcts.